Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Rio Rancho, Corey Anderson versus Jan Blakovich, and Shaq, it's going down this Saturday in New Mexico. An unexpected light heavyweight rematch with the winner looking to stake a claim for the next shot at the GOAT, John Jones. Yeah, with John Jones' last fight against Dominic Reyes, you got to assume that they're probably going to most likely do the rematch, but Corey Anderson and Blakovich get an opportunity to come out here and, uh, you know, change the plans. Uh, Blakovich has been on the best stretch of his career, so has Corey coming off that big upset win over uh, the big hype prospect Johnny Walker, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. And man, uh, I did not see this rematch happening at all. And now that it is, I mean, talk about a big opportunity for both guys, because if Jan Blakovich can avenge that loss, he'll be on a three fight win streak. And for Corey, another win that'll put him on a five fight win streak. And Corey's a guy who, man, ever since that Pat Cummins fight, he's been looking the best he's ever looked going out there and not just winning decisions anymore. He went out there and knocked out the very dangerous Johnny Walker in the first round. And with Jan Blakovich, uh, you know he's been talking about that legendary Polish power for a while now. So we'll see if uh, he's able to show it off here in this five-round main event, Shaq. Yeah, 100%. You know, Blakovich thinks that Corey doesn't have much respect for him. And, you know, quite frankly, maybe he shouldn't. I mean, he whipped his ass the first time. So sometimes these rematches uh, these rematches can play a little bit differently. Blakovich is obviously a lot more confident, been operating, operating a little bit differently these days. So I'm interested to see what happens. Absolutely. Well, Shaq, let's get right down to business because first up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Howley and Paiva. He's 18 and 3, and Mark De La Rosa is 11 and 3. Currently, they got Howley and Paiva minus 235. The comeback on Mark De La Rosa is plus 195. Well, Shaq, this should be a very exciting flyweight matchup. We've been very impressed with Howley and Paiva. The only thing eluding him is his first UFC victory. And Mark De La Rosa, very tough kid. Who do you think gets it done here in uh, the first bout of the evening? Yeah, this is a great matchup to open the card. Paiva, he's had some rough luck in his first couple fights. The Kai Carr, France could have went either way, but Kai got the nod. It was in New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken. Then he fought Hargerio Bontarine, and it was uh, shaping out to be a great fight. But, man, Bontarine opened up that big cut on him, and the and the fight got stopped. Now he's fighting De La Rosa, definitely you know, a much more suitable opponent for Paiva, in my opinion. To be honest, I think De La Rosa's a tough kid. Yeah, he had two wins, one over Joby Sanchez, one over the uh the uh fake showtime brother but uh i forget his name uh elias pettis, <laughs> elias pettis but <laughs> but i mean look mark de la rosa is a tough kid but even in his win against joby sanchez he repeatedly got caught with left hooks and you know uh just made consistent consistent mistakes in the boxing and then we followed up he actually looked a little better against Kai Car France. Obviously, he had to uh, show up better or else he'd get, you know, severely hurt. And he did, but it just still wasn't enough. He had nothing to offer in that fight. The last round was, you know, a little better, but Kai had already wailed on him so so badly those first two rounds that I'm not going to put that much stock into it. To be honest, I think Paiva comes in here and rolls. I think Paiva's better than De La Rosa everywhere. He's got that height reach on him, and I just think he's more aggressive. He's got more firepower. De La Rosa likes to sit on the outside and at times kind of play pitter-patter. I mean, he's just a little bit smaller than these guys that he's getting matched up with, like Kai Kara. has got that big overhand right. And, you know, one thing you can say about Paiva, uh, even at 22, 23 years old with his 18-1 and or 18-2 and record at the time it was, 
because his, his fight with Kai Car France was coming down to the wire. I mean, that could have went either way. So I think Pive was on a, a different level than De La Rosa. I think De La Rosa's time's kind of run out in the UFC. And I think Pive was going to come out here and get a finish. I think that now this is his opportunity to come in here, be a little bit more comfortable. He's been in there two times. His last fight was unfortunate. I finally think things go his way. I think he's just too ferocious for a guy like De La Rosa. So I think he gets a finish. Yeah, look, Mark De La Rosa is a very skilled guy. It's just that the athletic tools aren't quite there. So, I mean, if you gave a more athletic fighter Mark De La Rosa's tools, it, it would turn out to be a top 15 guy. It's just that he doesn't quite have that fast twitch. He's kind of small for the weight class, but you got to give him credit. The guy's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's going to go forward and try to fight the entire time. But when you talk about a guy like Holly and Paiva, man, obviously one of the tallest uh, flyweights on the roster. He has a four-inch reach advantage in this spot. And, man, he's one of those guys that's extremely durable. He can take clean shots and keep moving forward. If you take him down, he's going to pop right back up. And his scrambling ability is second to none. So I think Mark De La Rosa is going to go forward. I think he's going to get cracked with a lot of shots, the left hook, the knee. And when they start to scramble on the mat, I see Holly and Paiva ending up on top and getting the better of the exchanges. So I don't know if it's going to be a finish or not, but I simply think Mark De La Rosa is outgunned in this spot, and I'm going to go with Holly and Paiva to get the victory. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Macy Shaozan, she's 5-1, and one, and Shayna Young is 7-2. and two. Currently, they got Macy Shaozan, minus 800. The comeback on Shayna Young is plus 550. Well, uh, Shaq... I know you remember the last time Macy Shazan was a juiced favorite, went out there and dropped the ball against uh, the elbow queen, Lena Landsberg. You think she gets back on track here uh, against the short-notice debutante, Shayna Young? Yeah, I don't know too much about Shayna Young. I haven't got the, the chance to check her out, but I'm assuming Shazan's going to come in here and get back on track. You know, uh, it's better to get that first sell out the way. You know, she did. She had a lot of pressure on her, you know, the tough winner. Uh, this and that. So I think she gets back on the right track by, uh, I'm going to say a finish. I'm going to say TKO. Yeah, look, Shana Young is coming into the UFC, and she was finished in the second round on Contender Series against Sarah Alpar via rear naked choke. Then goes back on the regional scene, and you know you know that, hey, let, let's work on our ground game. Goes out there, gets choked out in the first round by uh, Miranda Maverick, uh, the lady that just beat Pearl Gonzalez. So this is really the definition of a short notice uh, call, and Macy Shazan is looking to get back on track, looking to get Fortis MMA back on track after uh, what happened in Houston there. But, man, I think she does. I think once she gets on top of Shannon Young, the fight might be over shortly after. So I think it's going to be a first-round rear naked choke or a ground-and-pound stoppage. I'm going Macy Shazan for the victory. Now, also in the Bantamweight division, but the men's Bantamweights, we got Marab Dewalishwili. He's 9-4, and four, and Casey Kenny is 13-1. and one. Currently, they got Marab Dewalishwili, minus 160, and the comeback on Casey Kenny is plus 140. Well, Shaq, Casey Kenny's gone out there and played, spoiler, his first uh, two UFC fights. And granted, both were against grapplers in Ray Borg and Manny Bermudez. You think uh, you think he makes it three in a row here against the very relentless Marab uh, Dewalish Wheelie, the machine? Yeah, this is a great fight. Marab, uh, you know, is coming off that big win against Brad Katona in Canada. He looked very good in that fight, got the takedowns. We know what he brings to the table, an aggressive ball of energy that likes to, you know, uh, throw a lot of spinning head kicks. Uh, it seems like he's progressively calming things down a little bit, and where he's best at is those takedowns. Now, he doesn't really hold guys down, but he can just do it over and over. The mat returns the, the whole bit, and Casey Kinney knows that game very well. Casey Kinney's a college wrestler. He's was on the U.S. judo team. I mean, K Casey Kenny is a definitely a credentialed uh, 
grapplers. So I'm looking very forward to this matchup. You know, Casey Kinney, his last fight was able to solve the Bermudez Triangle puzzle. Manny was undefeated at the time, submitting uh, submitting everybody. And I feel like Casey Kinney's just one of these guys that consistently get counted out you know, just because he's a former flyweight. You know, he's coming up to Bantamweight. But, hey, man, they already got him ranked in the top 15 after two fights, which, you know, I mean, it says what they think about him. So Casey Kinney's got a very bright future. Man, I feel like Casey Kinney does have a slight edge in the boxing in this fight. I feel like he's got the cleaner hands, but Marab's forward press and his just intensity is just a lot to deal with even though everything's not clean and he, he does make a lot of mistakes he's got so much heart and spirit that he will will himself forward through it and he could beat a lot of guys on activity the thing with Marab is at times he can become very predictable and although I say he's a ball of energy and he and he uh and, he, and, you know, he can will himself through things. At times, he does gas out. And, and that Ricky Simon fight, you know, a lot of people think he was up two rounds. But, I mean, he was up on up two rounds on two cards. But one judge actually had it 1-1. And that second round, I mean, he was kind of slowing down. So, you know, I do feel like Marab's going to probably have more volume, probably be moving forward. But I think he needs to be careful boxing with Casey Kinney. Casey Kinney is a very, very underrated guy. I agree with the money that's been coming in on him lately just to make this line a little bit more respectable than what it was, uh, you know, last week sometime. Last week sometime, Marab was, you know, no, I mean, he was a very big favorite. So I, I like it where it's at now. I think Marab's probably going to edge out a decision, but it's not a very confident pick just because Casey Kinney is one of these guys, man, where he's a winner, man. This guy finds a way to win fights. No one thought he was going to go in there and beat Ray Borg on four days' notice and and Ray Borg missed weight, and he still beat him. And then Manny Bermudez, I mean, that guy was a phenom at the time. So do not sleep on Casey Kinney. But I think Marab's probably going to edge out a decision. But from a betting perspective, it's longer past me. Man, very intriguing bantamweight matchup here. Obviously, Casey Kenny's gone out there and performed in his, in his first two UFC fights. I mean, we went out there and cashed a plus 260 against Ray Borg. Now, people will say that it was controversial, but... For a, a fight that close, would you rather be on the plus 260 dog or the minus 330 favorite? You know what I mean? So I've been very impressed with how he's performed. Obviously, LFA champ champ. So he's been putting in work for a very long time. Even won on Contender Series and didn't get signed the first time. Went back again and lost a very controversial decision. But since that point, paid his dues. Now he's 2-0 in the UFC. And Mirab Dewalish Wheelie. He's a very interesting character. They don't call him the machine for no reason. I mean, this is a guy that goes out there, and he's relentless, and he likes to have fun in there. He likes to exaggerate, too. I mean, he has no problems picking you up, running you to the center of that octagon like Matt Hughes and slamming you down. But, man, what's interesting about this fight is that I think for the first couple of attempts that Casey Kenny's going to be able to scramble back up, maybe even get the top position, but eventually I'm wondering if he's going to be worn down because Casey Kenny's actually been taken down 10 times in his two UFC fights. So while I think there's going to be a lot of back-and-forth moments, and I think if you got Casey Kenny at plus 190, plus 180, plus 175, that holds a lot of value. But where the line is now, I'm actually leaning more towards Marab to come out here and edge a very close decision. So it's going to be very exciting while it lasts. It could be fight of the night, but I'm slightly leaning towards Marab to, to grind this one out here. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Devin Clark, he's 10-4, and, and Daquan Townsend is 21-10. and 10. Currently, they got 
Devin Clark minus 380 and the comeback on Daquan Townsend is plus 315. Well, man, it's uh, nice to see Daquan Townsend get a third opportunity. We thought it was going to be two and done. Here's his third chance. And uh, hopefully, you know, coming out here with, with a nice paycheck because, man, I haven't been quite convinced that Daquan Townsend is UFC caliber. Now, the thing with Devin Clark is you can't quite trust him either. Uh, has definitely pulled stunts inside that octagon before. But, man, he's very explosive, somewhat spastic in there. And I did feel like he was making some progress. You saw that performance he put against Stosic, and look, Ryan Span. Uh, Ryan Span is a completely different animal than Daquan Townsend. So even though Devin Clark, you know, got thoroughly beaten in that fight. I'm not convinced Daquan Townsend can do anything like that. What Daquan brings to the table is that he hits hard, and if you, you know, get caught clean on the chin, there's a chance he can knock you out. But aside from that, the guy's grappling is very questionable. Now, he has made some improvements because Early on in his career, man, his takedown defense was atrocious. Last fight, he didn't get taken down even once, but he was still pinned up against the fence for all three rounds. So I do think Devin Clark can come out here and kind of do a similar game plan as his first two UFC opponents. Pin him up against the fence, mix in takedowns. It's just at this minus 380, almost minus 400 price tag. It's just, uh, is Devin Clark going to pull some stunt and get caught on the chin here? Most likely not, but I wouldn't trust him at this price, but I'll still go with Devin Clark to to grind this one out, uh, potentially pound or choke this guy out, but most likely a decision, Shaq. Yeah, you know, Daquan Challenge and his takedown defense did seem like it got better against Bayvon Lewis, but he's kind of doing himself a disservice because now he's taking this fight on short notice and it's at 205, not 185. So now he's fighting a, a way bigger, stronger guy. Yeah, I think Clark's going to, you know, definitely get a win. Uh, whether it's a finish or not, it's one thing. But the Quan Townsend's not. I know for a fact he's not UFC level. <laughs> I don't. I don't have to debate that. I mean, he can't get out the tie-ups. Uh, I mean, he's just not. He's not. He's. I mean, when he got that short notice call against Dojo, it was a last-minute thing. This is a last-minute thing. Clark, his losses are to Ratchik, Blakovich, uh, Ryan Span, guys. You know that are all on the up. So I think he rolls here and gets one. And next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Jim Miller, he's 31 and 13, and Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman is 13 and 3. Currently, they got Scott Holtzman minus 150, and the comeback on Jim Miller is plus 130. Well, Shaq, uh, right when everyone counted Jim Miller out, uh, the guy's going out there and getting a bunch of first round finishes. On a two-fight win streak now, and uh, you think he's gonna make it three in a row here against the former hockey player Scott Holtzman? Yeah, this is a this is a good fight because you know Holtzman. I feel like for some reason everyone thinks he's like a young up and coming guy, and you know that's just not the case. Scott's like you know thirty six years old. Uh, I had that tough fight with Nick Lentz uh, early last year, but then he bounced back against Dong Hyun Ma, and you know he did get dropped by Dong Hyun Ma in that second round. I just think he had no respect for Dong Hyun Ma whatsoever, and you know uh, just got dropped. But he you know beat the kid up very badly, and. Uh, the fight ended up getting stopped jim is a also been you know they've been jim's did the right thing he started fighting lesser competition he started you know he's getting a little older he was like hey let me let me not fight poye pettis hooker and uh and Trinaldo. you know let me fight these uh you know the alex whites and the and the Jason Gonzalez's of the world and, and Clay Guidas and get these wins. So I feel like Holtzman's somewhere in the between because Holtzman is a, guy, a very game guy. Um, but I do think that most likely we've probably seen the best of Scotty. You know, I feel like um, he's not going to, you know, be making any big drastic improvements. I mean, he had his Nick Lentz test and he did not pass it. So, 
You know, I think we kind of know where he stands. Jim Miller is a guy that he comes out very hard in those first rounds, and a lot of his fights have been finishing in those first rounds, but we haven't really seen him extended lately, and we know historically that if you extend Jim Miller that he kind of has the tendency to gas out. So I feel like if Scotty can stay out of the guillotine, avoid getting dropped or rushed early with a big shot, that he can kind of implement the same game plan, you know, go uh, with those calf kicks on Jim's legs and and really bruise him up for the three rounds. So I think that's what's most likely going to happen. As far as the betting perspective, you know, I don't want to say it's dog or pass, but Jim Miller, I like what he's been doing lately, but the guys he's been fighting, I consider uh, them considerably below Scott Holtzman. I mean, Jason Gonzalez is not in the company anymore. Alex White won't be in the company here soon. And Clay Guida is one fight away from retirement. So, you know, I think that Scott Holtzman is going to get the win here by a unanimous decision. Yeah, look, you bring up a lot of great points about how both men are 36 years old. So if anyone thinks Scotty's 26, they're gravely mistaken. But the guy definitely has less wear and tear on his body than Jimmy Miller. And look, we got a lot of respect for Jim Miller, a true legend of the game. I mean, most fights in UFC history, most submissions in lightweight history, the guy's a true badass. And I think he's most dangerous in that first round. And if Scotty comes out making some meathead mistakes, you know, if he, if he has zero respect for him like he had for Dong Yo Ma, then maybe Jim Miller's live for an upset. But at the end of the day, I think that if this hits the late rounds and this goes all three, that Scotty's going to edge him out just by being the more physical guy with slightly more left in the tank. So I'm going to go with Scott Holtzman via decision as well, possibly a late TKO. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between John the Magician Dodson, he's 20 and 11, and Nathaniel Wood is 16 and 3. Currently, they got Nathaniel Wood minus 145, and the comeback on John Dodson is plus 125. Well, this is a, a big step up for a prospect to become a contender. They got to fight a gatekeeper, a former number one contender, an ultimate fighter winner, and that's exactly what John Dodson is. And I feel like John Dodson doesn't really get the respect he deserves, man. He, he's a guy who's very fast and has a knockout win over TJ Dillashaw, even dropped Demetrius Johnson and Piotr Yan, so And Magic Marlon Marais. And Marlon Marais. So, look, John Dodson's been in there with the best in the world. Now it's a, a question of can he still perform at the same level that he once did because, you know, he is getting up there in age and in the lighter weights. It's more of a young man's game. This isn't heavyweight where you can be, you know, 35 to 40 years old and hit that second win. At Bantamweight, I'm very curious to see if he can recreate the old magic he once had because when this guy darts in, man, he's extremely fast. But when you talk about this kid, Nathaniel Wood, I really like what he brings to the table. He has a reputation for being a grappler because he went out there and finished uh, his three UFC fights via submission. But if you actually watch those fights, well, firstly, in the Andre Uhl fight, he dropped his opponent, also mixed in takedowns. So he's able to drop you. He's able, if you shoot in on him, like in the Johnny Eduardo fight, he can set up a dar stroke, or he can go the, the traditional route, take you down like he did to Jose Teco Canona. So I feel like the kid is well-rounded. I like his boxing style. Look, he's not going to come out here and exaggerate. He's not going to throw spins. He's not going to you know, do anything that's not quite textbook. He likes to set up his jab. He's got a nice left hook, and he's very consistent with his calf kicks and I think that's going to be a big weapon here Shaq because when you talk about John Dodson obviously the speed and the power but another thing he really brings to the table is his movement John Dodson will keep you guessing and if you don't know how to cut off the cage he will run circles around you but that's the thing I like about Nathaniel Wood is that he's going to be trying to chop down the legs and slow down the movement of John Dodson from the jump 
Now, eventually, I think that Nathaniel Wood will have a slowed-down opponent. He'll be able to mix in a takedown or two because we did see guys like Marlon Moraes and Pedro Munoz successfully take down John Dodson. And John Dodson has very good takedown defense and a good get-up game, but it seems like at flyweight, it was almost impossible to hold him down. But here at Bantamweight, these bigger guys are able to to lock their hands uh, you know, under his waist and get him down to the mat. And I think when Nathaniel Wood does that, he's going to be able to wear down on John Dodson. Nathaniel Woods used to being the smaller guy in all of his fights, but this is the first time that he's actually going to be the bigger guy in there. And I think this is a huge opportunity for him. And I think he comes out here and actually rises to the occasion against the very well-respected and the former number one contender in the flyweight division, John Dodson, the former ultimate fighter winner, John Dodson. I think Nathaniel Wood is going to show why he's the prospect, but now it might be the contender. So I'm going Nathaniel Wood to become the first man in UFC history to finish John Dodson. Yeah, this is a great matchup. Uh, some would say it's a step down for Dotson, and some would say it's a step and it's a step up for Wood. You know, he's had three wins, but one thing I like about that he ran through that competition r- rather easily. Man, uh, the Johnny Eduardo fight, he did get rocked a bunch of times, but Johnny Eduardo is one of one of the hardest hitters uh, at bantamweight. I know he's old as hell, but Johnny uh, Johnny can crack. <laughs> Ask Eddie Wineland. <laughs> but uh, and then you know his fight with Andre Wool. Andre Ula, like you said, he's very consistent with his movement patterns. He he keeps things very simple and basic. Uh, you know, he's a very solid, well-rounded MMA uh, fighter. I do think he's at a little bit of a speed disadvantage in this fight with uh, Dotson. But the thing with the, this fight is just the, the foot positioning. Dotson's always on the back foot and Nathaniel's always on the front foot. So basically, I feel like this is a good... When you look at Dotson's history, he's lost. All of his losses are by decision. I think it's a, a Eleven losses by decision. He's nine and eleven when fights go to decision. So yeah, things have gone his way sometimes, but historically speaking, this guy is a sucker for losing a decision. So uh, I think that as long as he can stay moving forward, avoid how many uh, flash shots because we know Dotson is kind of a king for that. The flash shots out of nowhere, you know, like the Peter Yan fight, like the Marais fight. But the thing is, right after those guys got dropped, they pushed them right back again and they arguably took those rounds back. So uh, it's one thing that and one thing about Dotson is I feel like after that Pedro Munoz fight, when I actually watched it again recently and and it wasn't a robbery at all. I think he actually did win that fight. He uh, got off to a very big lead. But it just seems like there was a big drop-off from that fight to the Jimmy Rivera fight. The Jimmy Rivera fight, I was like, oh, my God. Like, this guy looks completely shot. He looks old as hell, man. The movement wasn't there. He's flat-footed in that fight. And then he goes into the Peter Yan fight. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and rag on him too much for getting his ass beat by Peter Yan. But now he's coming in there, coming into this fight with the damage sustained from that fight. That was the biggest beating I think he's took in his career. Uh, So, I mean, he's Looking a year off, maybe he's a little refreshed. I, I hear he's got a new team. He's one of the many fighters that's left uh, Winkle John and, and Greg. He's with the, the other Jackson's gym now, so I'm interested to see what he does. But Wood, I just think that Wood is a very solid MMA fighter. Every I don't think he's great anywhere, but I just think that he's just he knows how to win. He's very experienced. He comes from Cage Warriors. You guys know how I love the Cage Warriors guys. They come in very tested. So I think Wood's going to probably win a decision here. I think that he's going to move forward. I think that Wood is definitely just a very knowledgeable guy. He seems like he knows what he's doing, that these type of moments won't get to him. But uh, I'm interested to see. Dotson's had some time off. Maybe he's a little refreshed. But Dotson's always on that back foot. And 
And, you know, I feel like his style was much more suitable back, you know, to the 2000, you know, early 2010s, 11s, back when Jackson's was dominating with those weasel decisions. Uh, you know, like, you know, I feel like, uh, remember when Clay Guida fought uh, Gray Maynard and, you know, back, <laughs> like back when he was at Jackson's, you know, those type, those type of styles where he could sit back and counter but man it's not been working out lately he's been losing a bunch of decisions and i'm interested to see how nathaniel does because he can carry that torch for the man and weights for england now next up in the welterweight division we got a matchup between tim the dirty bird means he's 29 and 11 and daniel rodriguez is 10 and 1 well Shaq, uh currently they got Tim Means, minus 280. The comeback on Daniel Rodriguez is plus 240. Short notice debut for Daniel Rodriguez. But as you've seen, sometimes these short notice uh, debutants go out there and create magic. I know you remember uh, when Chaos Williams went out there and knocked out Alex Morano in the first round. I know you remember when Alex Hernandez went out there and knocked out Benil Dariush in the first round. You think this is going to be a similar type upset? Or do you think Tim Means is going to show him that uh, this is a different level? And welcome to the big show, kid. Yeah, you know, I think Tim Means coming off that first round knockout and he was coming off that injury. Uh, I feel like this is a, a these last two fights have been a good case for him. You know, uh, he was scheduled to fight Ramazan Amiv. That would have been a completely different type of fight. Now he gets Rodriguez, who I, I know he's got some power, but this is a short notice fight. I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if Rodriguez made this, you know, somewhat entertaining, but I do think somewhere along the line he gets caught with the straight left and gets knocked out or or submitted. I just think that when Tim fights historically the this level of competition, whether it be a Sabah Hamasi, a, a Ricky Rainey, you know, these guys that are uh right coming into the UFC or uh, on their way out, he usually knocks them out. So I'm gonna go with Tim. Yeah, look, Daniel Rodriguez definitely paid his dues on that regional scene, even had a contender series appearance won via decision they didn't pick him up that night but went back to the regionals knocked out a 15 and 26 guy look I, I definitely question the level of competition but he's taking the right fights to build up his career to a 10 and 1 record now he gets a fight against tim means and i simply think that look he might get a takedown or two he might land a hard punch or two but this is going to be such a step up in competition to the point where when Tim Means starts to get comfortable, when he starts warming up, when he starts finding his groove in there, I think there's going to be some nice hand fighting. I think there's going to be some nice pairing. I think he's going to slip and rip something down the middle and knock out the very tough Daniel Rodriguez. So I'm going with Tim Means to get a very big win here in New Mexico. And uh, I think it's gonna. I think he's going to have a very nice post-fight speech too. He should, uh, he should call out Carlos Condit after this fight. <laughs> you know they got some history from back in the day? Now, speaking of Jacksons, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Lando Venata. He's 10-4-2, and, and Yancey Medeiros is 15-6. and six. Currently, they got Lando Venata minus 120, and Yancey Medeiros is plus 100. Well, Shaq, it's basically a pick with a slight lean on Lando. It opened minus 175 for Yancey. What do you think about all this action? Yeah, I think that opening line uh, probably was a little off. When I say Lando, I like to say uh, the ghost of before you say Lando because <laughs> the, the guy we see today ain't the same guy that came into the UFC. Uh, and that's just due to the, look, you know, when you come in here, you have that fight with Ferguson, then they expect you to fight at that level from now on, and that just wasn't the case of where he was at. Then he, you know, had that spectacular McDessie knockout, but then Tamor beat him, then he uh, fought Bobby Green, Bobby Green, the draw right there i mean he just made some critical critical errors in that fight uh, he sh sh probably should have knocked bobby green out in the first round um but then that illegal knee man you know uh then he fought jakar close and i mean jakar you know bullied him around the cage for 15 minutes 
then you turn uh, turn that into you got a little win against Marcos Mariano in between, but let's not forget the steamroller for Vola draw where you know steamroller was coming off a vicious KO loss and Lando couldn't even. I mean, he started off uh, dropping him all over the place, but then he shut down and gassed out and completely stopped fighting. So Lando Venata hasn't shown, in my opinion, besides the fact that he can you know can drop guys that you know. I mean, he does have that ability, but man, he throws very few in between. His calves, I've noticed, are very, very fragile. So I know Yancey Medeiros usually doesn't uh, utilize game plans like that. But I mean, if if it's on, if they've been watching Lando's recent fights, man, everyone's been getting him with that calf kick. Jakar, uh, who did he just fight? And Mark DeCasey. So you know, I feel like Lando Venata. There's a chance that man, this guy might. I don't want to say completely done, but there's a chance that this guy is recycled goods, man. This guy has been through the ringer. Yancy Medeiros, we haven't seen him in a year. Coming off that Gregor fight, I'm not gonna knock him for that because that's just not the type of fight that Yancy needs to be in. Gregor's looking to, you know, uh, as my boy Connor say, uh, dive for the legs. <laughs> but uh, now he's in a, a little bit more entertaining fight, and Yancy kind of excels in wars like in fights like this. You know, when he's not fighting, you know, top ten guys like Cerrone. You know, you give him these mid-tier uh, exciting guys. Yancy usually gets into a war with them, and, and usually gets the gets the win. I know you remember the. Uh, Eric Silva knockout in Brazil. Was that in Brazil? Yeah. He knocked out Eric Silva in Brazil. The Alex Oliveira fight. I mean, he changed Alex Cowboy's life uh, for good that night, man. <laughs> Alex ain't been the same since. <laughs> I mean, look at the shit that Alex has been doing recently. So, you know, I feel like Yancey's going to come in here. Uh, I, feel, I feel like Yancey probably should be the favorite. I think he's in better condition, even though Yancey has had his fair share of getting dropped. He's been dropped several times in the cage, but look at who it's against. We're talking guys like Dustin Poirier, Francisco Trinaldo, uh, Cowboy Cerrone, Cowboy Oliveira, legit guys. That's where Lando's going in here and just like, yeah, he'll have an occasional moment here and there, but then it's like he's just going through the motions. There's not much spirit in there. I know he said he was dealing with some depression not too long ago. You know, may, maybe Lando's a little bit more spirited in his hometown, but I just feel like Lando's kind of a lost cause, man. I, I'm going to go with Yancey Medeiros by uh, unanimous decision. I feel like Lando's probably going to struggle with the volume again, and I feel like as long as Yancey can limit the amount of times that he gets wobbled, uh, I feel like he's going to win this fight, so I'm going to go with Yancey. You know, the crazy thing is that Lando's only 27 years old. Like, well, you, he fought, for, like... He, they put him in that ringer with Ferguson off the jump, bro. You know, like he was like six and zero or seven and zero when he fought Ferguson. Ferguson. I was like, no, wait, fighting, fighting Ferguson can be hazardous to one's health. Man. That early in his career just hasn't lived up to the expectations. Look, he's a very exciting guy, no doubt about it. And in that first round, he's definitely live for a knockout. Um, and Madero's is a bit of a slow starter, but if Madero's can get past that first round, man, I definitely think he's going to take over this fight. He's a lot tougher. He's got that Hawaiian spirit, man. And uh, Medeiros has been known to come through in these kind of spots against this level of opposition. So it's just about not going down in that first round. That's really what it comes down to in my mind. So it might be a good live betting situation. Uh, you know Lando likes to gas at that seven-minute mark every single fight, right? So, And he doesn't check kicks either. So, listen, I'm going to go with Yancey Medeiros for your third-round submission. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got the UFC debut of Brock Weaver. He's 14-4, and four, and Rodrigo Vargas is 11-3. and three. Currently, they got 
Brock Weaver minus 275, and the comeback on Kazula Vargas is plus 235. Well, Shaq, uh, Brock Weaver has been all the talk of the town. Uh, you think he's going to live up to the expectations here in his UFC debut? Man, I'm looking very forward to this fight because I know Kazula Vargas didn't have the best showing in his debut against Alex Laco da Silva, but let's not forget he took that fight on very, very short notice, so I'm expecting a much better version. But one thing I noticed about Kazula, man, dude dude can bang. Dude uh, hits very hard. Dude definitely has KO power, no mistake about it. Brock Weaver's more of the, the volume style, you know, the jab, uh, lots of straight lefts. Kind of, kind of strikes like Luis Pena a little bit. Um, Brock Weaver, I mean, he's had a kind of a career turnaround himself. I mean, not too long ago, he was out here losing to you know some of these jobbers on the local scene, going to split decision with my boy Charles Felony Felony Bennett, and uh, you know, seems like he's. Uh, but one thing I've been noticing is, uh, you know, his fight on contender contender series was at one seventy. Now he's making that drop back down to. Uh, 155. So I'm interested to see how he performs with that weight cut. I kind of had a sense that he might be a little bit better at 70s, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, we'll see. I kind of feel like this fight possibly could play out a little bit closer than the line indicates, just because Gazula did have that bad showing against Leiko, but Leiko's a jiu-jitsu guy. Leiko's looking to get the takedowns and, and lay on top. I feel like this is going to be a completely different type of fight. Brock Weaver... Career turnaround, yes, and I feel like he's going to have the volume to win a decision here, but I would not sleep on Kazula Vargas possibly getting a knockdown in this fight or make it, or this becoming a real, real native versus Mexican war and, and this playing out closer than the lines. Just due to the fact that guys like Brock Weaver, I, I know he's got a lot of hype on him right now, but those lo- a lot of those losses do mean something to me. I feel like that just means that, yeah, he's on a career turnaround, but it's not that hard for some of those old patterns to come back to come to place. I've just seen guys like him in the past before. Uh, I can't necessarily think on the top of my head right now, but I'm going to pick Brock Weaver for a win, but I do think the fight plays out closer than the line indicates. Yeah, look, Brock Weaver has got a definitive path to victory here. It's just a matter of is he going to go out here and use it. And I agree with you about this career turnaround because not too long ago he was having 50-50 fights with very questionable competition. But I felt like he turned that corner in the Tyler Zombie Hill fight, and that's when I took notice like, hey, this kid might get a contender series call next. And that's exactly what happened, went out there. And he's just a very charismatic, entertaining fighter. And if they give him the right matchups, he could be a household name just in terms of like being like the next Joe Lozon. Not that he necessarily fights like him, but what I'm saying is you're not expecting Joe Lozon to ever go out there and win a world championship. But what you can expect from Joe Lozon is to always go out there and entertain the fans. So I think Brock Weaver could be one of those fighters, uh, you know, uh, assuming that they don't give him you know, too tough a competition. But I think Rodrigo Vargas, Kazula Vargas, is the perfect opponent to go out there and get that first UFC victory. That's uh, assuming that Brock Weaver mixes in those takedowns because he has a big advantage in the wrestling, the grappling, the jujitsu. And if he can go out here and take down Rodrigo Vargas repeatedly, I do think he's going to get this win. Now, in the stand-up exchanges, that's where it could get interesting. Like you mentioned, Rodrigo Vargas, very tough Mexican fighter, has a knockout win over UFC veteran Mike De La Torre via vicious head kick. Uh, you guys definitely got to go check that one out. When you get that win over that UFC vet, especially that finish, you get signed uh, to the big show. That's exactly what happens. So Rodrigo is going to look to come out here and get this upset. I'm just not convinced he can keep the fight standing, and I think that's where Brock Weaver is going to have success on the mat. So. I'm going with Brock Weaver to win either via submission or via decision. Maybe even a ground-and-pound TKO, but I think he's going to have the majority of his success on the mat.
Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got the flyweight return of Ray Borg. He's 12-4, and and Rogerio Bontorin is 16-1. and Currently, they got Ray Borg minus 150, and the comeback on Rogerio Bontorin is plus 130. Well, Shaq, originally it opened minus 180 for Rogerio Bontorin. Then it was a dead pick now, uh, Ray Borg is somewhat of a decent favorite here at minus 150. This is his return to the flyweight division. Uh, how do you think he looks uh, on Saturday night, man? Yeah, I'm looking at Borg's IG. I mean, he looks like he's coming ready for this fight. I, I'm going to guess he's going to make weight, too. I think he's going to make weight, uh, even though he did miss weight at 35s. It, you know, I know he had some personal issues going on, so I think Borg's going to make weight, so I'm excited for this fight. Bontarine, I've been very high on Bontarine since his contender series fight. His warrior spirit in that contender series fight, he got dropped, but he was able to come back and finish the guy. So, And then he upset Magomed Bubalatov as, a, I think, a plus 300-something underdog. And then his fight with Paiva was banana, so I'm a big fan of Bontarine. Uh, Ray Borg, I mean, his last fight against the high prospect Gabriel Silva, he was able to weather that storm that Gabriel was putting on him because it looked like Gabriel was about to run him through the uh, jiu-jitsu clinic there for a second, but Borg showed him, you know, not quite yet, son. You know, uh, I've been here for a long time, and Borg was able to give him that vet lesson. So I feel like Borg's going to have his confidence is probably going to be a lot better now. And then you got Bontarine, who, and let's just be honest here, he hasn't fought this level of competition, but I think he's got all the skills and the and the mental to succeed at this level. So uh, I agree with Borg being favored. He's accomplished more throughout his career. Before Miga fought for the title. So uh, I, I, I agree. Uh, I, dis- I disagree with the opening line. I feel like uh, it should have probably been, you know, a slight minus 135 Borg, uh, slight dog, Rogerio Bontarine. But as far as the fight playing, I feel like Ray Borg's going to struggle early on to take Bontarine down. I feel like this is going to be a little bit of the same scenario as his last fight. I, I see Bontarine getting off to a very big lead early. I feel like he's going to win that first round. It's just a matter of how much energy does he use uh in that first round because we know Bontarine's got a very muscular frame we know that he does have a a little bit of the mummy Brazilian in him at times he can gas out and you know and we know if he does that then Ray Borg's probably going to start turning up and start slamming him it's just a matter of when does that happen is it late second round after he's already won majority of the second round or does Borg start to get towards him towards the end of that first round and after that first round are we saying uh, oh boy Bontarine's a little bit tired so I think that Bontarine has the power to really hurt Borg early on I feel like Borg's going to be scared to engage with him early on um, but I do think that Borg's probably going to win the last round it's going to be a matter of uh, that second round man but I think Bontarine's a dog I think he's tough I think he keeps surprising people I think he gets better but better and better fight to fight that adjustment he made from the Piva fight I mean he got rocked hard by Piva and he just made that switch like man I gotta get this guy out of here he's barbaric he's a farmer he's got that strength I really think Borg's gonna struggle to take him down early on and I think that Bontarine's gonna win the first two rounds in this fight now I'm not too confident in that just because Borg might have his confidence back and he might be back to his old self the guy that fought for Amiga the guy that fought for Amiga that guy uh, was top-notch at flyweight, I'm not going to lie. But, man, Bontarine's power and his strength might be a big, big problem for some of these flyweights. He's short, stocky, and the guy, uh, he does have a submission loss to Tanaka on his record. But, hey, he had to get that first L out the way. I think he was, what, 15, 16-0 at the time. So it was bound to happen. So I don't really put that much uh, stock into it. But I'm going to take Bontarine for the 
upset due to his power. I think he's going to land the harder shots in those first two rounds. And then it's just a matter of uh, him not gassing out too bad in the late rounds. Yeah, and that loss you took to Tanaka, it definitely happened, but it was also at 135 pounds, and it was about three years ago. So he's had some time to improve since then. And with Ray Borg, it's good to see him make the drop back to flyweight. Definitely curious to see if he makes weight tomorrow. And, uh, man, uh, as far as Ray Borg's last two fights, he definitely showed up looking a little fat. So I am glad that he's going down, back down to uh, to flyweight. Look, the Casey Kenny fight, a lot of people think he got robbed. I don't think he got robbed. I personally thought that Kenny, look, yes, Ray Borg picked him up and slammed him, but he didn't do anything with it. And then Kenny would get on top and... I just felt like Kenny was the more active guy despite getting picked up and slammed. He was able to reverse the positions. And one thing about Ray Borg, you start to gas out on a guy like Ray Borg, and he will he will do a similar things uh, like we were talking about earlier with Marab, you know, picking you up and walking you to the center of that cage, Matt Hughes style, slamming you down. So if Rogerio Bontorin is huffing and puffing, that that is what might happen here. But one thing I want to point out, I felt like Gabriel Silva went out there and won the first eight minutes of his fight against Ray Bork. He just couldn't handle that pace that a natural flyweight brings to the table. You know, this guy's a bantamweight, but one guy that knows what it's like to fight at flyweight is uh, Rogerio Bontorin. So I don't think this pace is going to be, you know, something that's not that he's not familiar with. I think he's going to be more well-suited to it than someone like Gabriel Silva because that's a big advantage that Ray Borg had when he was up at 35. He was fighting with a flyweight pace at Bantamweight, and now uh, he gets to go back to flyweight and fight another flyweight. And the thing about Bontorin, he's like an ox, man. That farmer strength is something serious. I really like his takedown defense, too. I've seen him, uh, you know, sh- uh, stop some serious takedown attempts from from getting him down and the guy's heart is something serious on that contender series fight he got cracked with a solid shot right on the chin he was doing the chicken dance of chicken dances and 30 seconds later he takes the guys back and chokes him out so the guy's got heart for days also his jujitsu pedigree he is a, a black belt and I, correct me if i'm wrong but i believe he's a world champion in jujitsu as well so he has those credentials and i don't think he's going to come out here and make the same mistake that Gabriel Silva made. Look, Gabriel Silva was dominating Ray Borg for the first eight minutes, but he couldn't keep up the pace. I do think Rogerio Bontorin is going to keep it up. Even if he starts to look a little tired, I just think that his power on the feet will make Ray Borg a little bit hesitant, but when they're up against the fence, I see Rogerio Bontorin stuffing, and I agree with you. He comes out here and wins the first two rounds. No telling what's going to happen in that third, but uh, another thing, I heard this interview with Ray Borg, and he's actually mentioned that he almost retired recently, so... You know, I, I'm not exactly sure where the guy's head's at, but I know he's training hard because he has to make flyweight for this fight. So I do expect a good Ray Borg, but I think the ceiling is a little bit higher for Rogerio Bontorin, and I think he's got enough UFC experience, unlike a Gabriel Silva who was making his debut against Ray Borg. So I'm going to actually go with Rogerio Bontorin to upset Ray Borg. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out in that New Mexico elevation. You know, it's uh, the same altitude as Denver, you know, a mile high, but... Uh, I think the kid's well-equipped, man. I think he's strong enough to give Borg a lot of problems. So very intrigued to see what takes place. I'm going to go with the upset here. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Montana De La Rosa. She's 10-5, and and Mara Romero Borella is 12-6. and Currently, they got Montana De La Rosa minus 170, and the comeback on Mara Romero Borella is plus 150. Well, Shaq, uh, as you can see, Montana De La Rosa is the favorite here. But interestingly enough, this is 
grappler versus grappler. And oftentimes the people that have given Barella problems are people that can crack that chin, go out there and knock her out. I'm not entirely convinced Montana De La Rosa can do that. And also, another question, you think Montana De La Rosa is going to be 100% focused considering her husband is the first fight of the night, Shaq? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that earlier. I mean, let's say Paiva comes out here and and smokes uh, Mark real quick. I mean, how's that going to affect Montana, you know? So that's one thing you got to keep an eye out on for. Uh, Man, I'm not too high, really, on either girl here. Barella, you know, her last fight, she ran into Murphy. Murphy's a dog. She's a grinder. And uh, she put that pressure on Barella, and Barella got knocked out for the fifth time in her career. And De La Rosa, I, I do think she's a little tougher. I do think that, uh, but I do think she's a little, I don't want to say less developed, but she just hasn't, she's been fighting Nadia Kasim and, and Rachel Ostovich. I mean, you know, those are, I'd like to consider bottom of the barrel, uh, you know, uh, I mean, Nadia Kasim. I mean, that girl is, I mean, she got knocked out uh, her last fight and uh, Ostovich, remember that stunt she pulled against PVZ, so you know, I don't need to explain much there. So I'm a, I'm a take De La Rosa for a close decision, but I feel like this is one of those typical one, one going into the third rounds, just like Lee and Murphy, you know, uh, I feel like Barella's scared to trade punches and she's scared to get hit on the chin and rightfully so. So she's always going to be, you're always going to be desiring more from her, you know, when you're betting on her, unless she can just easily get takedowns. And I just don't see that being the case. So I'm going to just say Montana wins on trying harder, more effort and, and, you know, winning a a tight decision. Yeah, look, I agree with you, man. Uh, Initially, I was kind of like, well, wait, it's grappler versus grappler. Montana's probably not going to go out there and knock her out. But then you watch the tape and you see strikers like Tyler Santos take the back of Mara Romero Barella. And, man, Barella is so timid in there. I mean, because she got knocked out three fights in a row against competition like Anna Elmos. Granted, she was able to... Or, uh, rise up, work her way up to the UFC, got that first-round finish against Kalindra Faria, had the close fight with Caitlin Chukagan, even went out there and beat the undefeated Tyler Santos. But, man, did those chin issues resurface against Lauren Murphy, who Lauren Murphy's on a career resurgence. She's on a two-fight win streak. Props to her, but still... She went out there and broke Mara Romero Barella. I think Montana De La Rosa will be able to take the back of Barella. They might have some back-and-forth exchanges, but at the end of the day, I think Montana is the tougher woman here, so for that reason, I'll pick her to win this fight. Co-main event of the evening in the welterweight division. We got the Ultimate Fighter 1 winner, Diego Nightmare Sanchez. He's 29-12, and 12, and Mitchell Pereira is 23-10. and 10. Currently, they got Michelle Pereira minus 160 in the comeback on Diego Sanchez is plus 140. Well, Shaq, uh, both these guys are wild men. Uh, it should be very exciting while it lasts. On paper, it seems like striker versus, versus grappler. Who you got? Yeah, I mean, this is a perfect uh, scenario of, you know, how each fight is different you know you look at Michel Pereira after the hot chocolate fight I mean everyone was oh my god he you know he's he's the next big thing and then then he loses to Tristan Connolly and everyone's like oh my god Michel Pereira is a fucking joke now look Michel Pereira you know prior to the UFC towards the end of it he was fighting some you know they were freak shows I mean he was fighting Japs with shoes on and you know uh, <laughs> and things of that nature and he has been knocked out uh, quite a bit of times over five times if I'm not mistaken five or six times um, so I mean Michelle Pereira isn't you know we jumped the gun on after the hot chocolate fight he, he's not gonna ever be in the picture or anything like that but in this particular fight with Diego Sanchez Look, I think Diego's had a great run. The original Ultimate Fighter, 
I mean, I don't have to say all the names he's beaten. We know him, all the great fights that he's put on for the fans. But I know a deranged man when I see one. And I feel like Diego Sanchez is a product of a thousand-something strikes absorbed to the head. Uh, you know, he's not with his old team anymore. And not, and when I say he's not with his old team, you know, they could have just parted ways and, you know, and, you know, kept it moving. But he, you know, he's not with his old team, and you know, I, I'm catching him on IG uh, with, you know, talk, with Frank Lester talking shit, like saying, "Look, look go to Team Reyes," and and you know, all this shit. But hey, look, I think that Diego Sanchez is just kind of deranged on where he's at in his career. You know, yeah, he's fighting somewhat uh, lower level competition with the Craig White and the uh, Mickey Gall fights in between. And now he's fighting Machado, who's coming off a loss to Tristan. But I do think Tristan is in better uh, condition than Diego Sanchez. I mean, I know Tristan is a journeyman, but Tristan is in better health than Diego. I mean, Diego is starting to, I don't want to say slur his words, but I can just feel the, <laughs> the, the just the deterioration on him, man. And I feel like the fact that Machado's coming off a loss is a lot better coming into this fight just because I know they don't want to lose two in a row. And I feel like his lap before the Tristan fight with that late switch up, what happened was he was supposed to fight Sergey Kondasko. He pulled out that fight and Machado's weight cuts are uh, they're very big. I mean, to make 170, he's got to cut a, a lot of weight. And he missed weight for the fight with Tristan. I feel like he took his foot off the pedal somewhere in between there, got super relaxed, probably thought that Tristan was a fucking, you know, like, complete joke. And he spent too much energy in his walkout and in the lead-up to the fight. As where versus the hot chocolate fight, you know, he was still dancing and doing some of those things, but it seemed like it was a lot more calmer, controlled, uh, a little bit more reasonable. So I think that him coming off this loss, I feel like if he makes weight tomorrow morning, it's a good sign. I feel like uh, Diego Sanchez, honestly, is, I mean, for sure, 100% he's on his way out, but I mean, he might, he might, after this vicious KO loss, that he might have to uh, hang him up. I think he gets knocked out in the first round with a knee uh, or a punch. I think that Diego doesn't move. He ducks his head down for everything. Uh, he hasn't evolved. I mean, look, some of those guys at Jackson Wink, like I was saying about Dotson, I mean, there was a stretch of time where I, I just think they were stuck there. I mean, look. John's bringing home the bacon. Holly's bringing home the bacon. <laughs> and I feel like all the other fighters, man, when you think about it, Condit, uh, Cerrone there for a while, Diego Sanchez, uh, even Holly Holm, man. I feel like a, a lot of them weren't evolving, and I feel like... Uh, I mean, look, Bayvon Lewis when he was there. Exactly. Even <laughs> like, even Juan Adams goes like, there and like gets Star Shredder. The only person... You need, I mean, even John ain't evolving, so like... <laughs> and that's just facts. So uh, I think that... Uh, that he just kind of ran into that and it's kind of slowed, uh, you know, the the, land, the landscape of his career. So I feel like Diego Sanchez is going to get knocked out in the first round on Saturday night. I feel like Mitchell is going to most likely land a knee, an uppercut, uh, and I don't think Diego's going to be able to take it, man. I feel like Mitchell, if he's focused and if he's actually wanting to win this fight and instead of putting on a show and takes it seriously, I feel like you're going to see a more devastating KO than the hot chocolate one. So I'm going to take Mitchell. Yeah, look, I got a lot of questions about Diego Sanchez's training situation. I mean, after his last fight with Chiesa, he was heavily criticized. Can I say one thing as well? Uh, firstly, Diego Sanchez is out here walking around with a yes man. And when I when by yes man, I mean uh, a manager, a coach. Uh, 
He's a uh, you know massage his, therapist, his boy, his massage therapist, his uh, his CBD guy. You know this guy, uh, and he's you know running around here with Frank Lester around Albuquerque. Uh, man, I I know a deranged man when I see one, and it's not looking too good. Look, this guy's training situation. I mean. Okay, it was one thing to leave Jackson Wink. Hey, perfect. We're leaving a gym that's been losing. Let's go to a better one. Nope. This guy's training in a grass field with a self-awareness coach. Uh, He doesn't even have training partners. I don't even think he's out here hitting pads or rolling. I think he's, like, doing cartwheels in a field and, you know, breathing in deep and stuff. He's in the park with his legs crossed, breathing in deep. Exactly. (laughs) You know, he's doing different mantras and poses, and I don't think it's going to end well. Look, uh, you brought up some good points about how – that Danny Hot Chocolate knockout was so spectacular that it really blew up the head of Michelle Pereira to a point where now he's got six-minute walkouts and he's missing weight. He was doing the whole bit. I think he had to take that first UFCL, and I think he's going to come back better here, more focused and more controlled. And I just simply don't think that Diego Sanchez can take the shots that Michelle Pereira is going to dish out. I know he's got these wins over Craig White and Mickey Gall, but guys, look, Craig White is worse than Juan Adams. And this might be a hot take, but... I think uh, Pereira favors being entertaining over winning, but in this specific fight, I just don't really believe that Diego Sanchez can take his his, uh, shots. And to give you another hot take, and you might disagree with this, Shaq, despite uh, it not being his best performance, I'm not entirely convinced Pereira truly lost the Tristan Connolly fight. He definitely pulled a stunt and for sure lost the third round. But the first two rounds were really close, and I hope he shows up better here because he's got a very winnable fight. I think he's going to come out here. And I want to say one more thing. I do think it's going to be a first-round knockout, but I actually think there's a chance it could be like a 10-second knockout. Let me explain what I mean. Diego Sanchez comes running out right away his last few fights. If he runs at Michel Pereira, I think he could be met with a flying knee. It could be a very, very early knockout, but ultimately I'm still going to pick it somewhere in that first round. I'm going Michel Pereira to defeat the ultimate fighter one winner and if he makes weight i think he's getting a 50k performance of the night bonus main event of the evening in the light heavyweight division we got the rematch between Corey beaston 25 8 overtime anderson he's 13 and 4 and jan 2.0 blakovich is 25 and 8 currently they got Corey anderson minus 210 the comeback on jan blakovich is plus 175 Shaq, I mean, both these guys have overcome a lot of adversity to get to this main event spot here in uh, Rio Rancho, New Mexico. I mean, at one point, Jan Blakovich was looking like, hey, he's about to get the boot. A lot of people were questioning the chin of Corey Anderson. Now both these guys have been putting on the best performances of their careers, and uh, the winner's going to take a big step forward. The loser's going to take a big step back. Uh, who you think gets it done here in the main event Saturday? Both of these guys are two of the more underrated guys in that top 10. Blakovich goes under the radar a lot he was an underdog in pretty much all the fights that he won the cannoneer fight the Krylov fight the jimmy manoa fight the, he was a favorite against jacare and he i don't know how that was a split maybe i'm uh maybe i'm seeing things but i mean i guess uh tying a guy up for 30 seconds is is uh winning rounds these days but man Corey anderson look i feel like Corey anderson i've said for the longest time i mean this guy kind of is does have the complete package the boxing you know the uh cardio his wrestling it's just always been that chin of his i mean you never at back then you know i used to say you never know one shot on the ear one shot on the chin and this guy might might go out stiff but when in hindsight man it was kind of uh it's kind of one of those things where 
that's kind of a good issue to have for him because you know he's got all the uh he's got all the other qualities down pat man the kid's well-rounded as hell and it was just always the chin but now i feel like his confidence is through the roof now so he's still getting hit on the chin but he's just walking through those now and he's still uh moving forward man so i feel like Corey anderson might be a problem, man. I feel like Corey Anderson might get a title fight. I love Jan Blakovich. Y'all know how much I love my boy, the uh, hashtag legendary Polish power, uh, as far as knockouts against Luke Rockhold and all the upsets he's had along the way. But, uh, man, Corey Anderson already, I bet on Corey in their first fight, and, and uh, I just feel like it's probably going to, be the same thing, man. I feel like Blakovich, you kind of saw his last fight, can be tied up on that fence for periods of time. Uh, Jacare is a little bit older, but man, Corey, I've always said it. he's got the, he's got all the attributes, he's got all the skills. It's just this chin. I feel like as long as he stays, <laughs> same thing here. As long as he stays conscious, he's gonna win a decision for sure. Maybe even get a a, a late finish because it's a five rounder. But as long as Corey Anderson stays conscious, I think he wins a decision. He's one of the besides Reyes, Phil. Uh, besides Reyes and John, I feel like he's got the the next best overall best overall game. Uh, I just don't think that he's. I know he. I mean, he thirty twenty seven Glover Teixeira. So who? I mean, who was number three at the time? It's just he doesn't have that. Uh, you know, a win over Ozdemir like Lionheart or something like that. So I'm going to take Corey Anderson by uh, 50-45, 49-46. I think he puts a statement, and I feel like he, he throws his name in this weekend uh, to, to possibly be one of the next guys to fight uh, John Jones or Go Reyes. So. <laughs> Man, so Corey Anderson is very, very impressive. Like you mentioned, he's the complete package. It's just been an issue of sometimes he gets laid out stiff. And I got to say, Corey, don't go to sleep. <laughs> I, I, I got to say this, man. Did you know that uh GSP won a fight more recently than the last time Corey Anderson got knocked out? So, I mean, it's been a long time since the guy's gone to sleep. And I truly believe that that Pat Cummins fight was the beginning of this. Maybe, a, maybe a title run because even though I know it was Pat Cummins, I know we can say all these things. Oh, the guy's been knocked out a million times. The guy gets beat up every fight, but the Corey Anderson I saw in that fight was a different version than I've ever seen before. Talk about dominance, man. The way he out-wrestled a quote-unquote Olympic qualifier or whatever whatever the case may be. But bottom line, the way he went out there and dominated him was truly something to behold. And since that point, man, I've been very impressed with the performances he's been putting on. With Glover Teixeira, everyone says Glover's going to knock him out. Goes out there, and he's the one rocking Glover on the feet. Everyone said Alir Latifi was going to knock out. It's Corey Anderson, who's going out there outboxing him. And then Johnny Walker. I said Johnny Walker's going to starch him in the first round. It's Corey that starches Walker in the first round. So I am so impressed with what Corey Anderson's been doing lately. John Jones even said he wanted to fight Corey Anderson with Jan Blakovich. Man, ever since his fight with Patrick Cummins, where actually he lost. It's funny. Both guys have had career resurgences since they fought Pat Cummins uh, in kind of opposite ways. One dominated him. Corey dominated him. And Jan lost to Pat Cummins. But man, since that point, been on a serious run. Got the win over Cannoneer, Manua, Krylov. You know, had the little setback against the former number one contender, Tiago Maheda, but since that point beat two strike force legends in Rockhold and Souza doing his thing. Now he's got a rematch. He says it's going to be a different story here. He said that. You know, he didn't have the gas to push, and I want to say one thing. One advantage that Jan has is he actually has five-round experience inside the UFC's octagon. His last fight, he went the full five, something that Corey hasn't done yet. But that being said, I don't have any, you know, indication that Corey's going to slow down because if his last fight, his last fight showed me that this guy can go for 
days. I mean, they don't uh, call him Beast in 25A for no reason. Exactly. So I, even though one guy's been the championship distance and one hasn't, I think Corey Anderson will be fine if this fight's extended. And look, ultimately, I just think his pace is going to be too much for the very tough Blakovich. And if Blakovich does not knock out Corey Anderson, I see Corey either grinding out the decision or possibly getting a TKO stoppage via ground and pound. So I'm going to go with Corey Anderson to come out here and defeat uh, Jan Blakovich. And now we got to hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Kyle, it's going down this Saturday in New Mexico. You got the rematch between Corey Anderson and Jan Blakovich. Winner looking to get the next title shot at the GOAT. Johnny Bones, how's it going, man? Not too bad. Uh, coming off a, a pretty shitty card, so I don't think it can get much worse than that. Uh, I like some of the matchups on this card, and even though it's not a bigger card, we still get 30 k to first on DraftKings, so I'm excited about that. So, man, in the main event of the evening, obviously, like I mentioned, you got the rematch between Corey Anderson and Jan Blakovich, and it doesn't get much more dominant than the first time they fought Corey Anderson. I know he went out there, put up uh, most likely 100-plus uh, DraftKings points. You think he's going to re- repeat history now that there's uh, two more rounds to work with? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think he either dominates or he gets knocked out here. Um, Jan does have two more rounds to work with to test that chin of Anderson. But if he doesn't get the knockout, I, I have, I just don't know how he wins this fight. Anderson should be able to dominate with his wrestling. He was four for four in their first fight. And now with two more rounds to work with, he's just going to rack up that many more points. So Anderson's my favorite play on the entire card, but he does have a zero point floor because Jan could go out there and land a knockout with his first punch or kick. And that's the, that's the night for any Anderson owners. So I'm not going to fully fade Jan here, but I have a lot more interest in Anderson where if I'm making like, let's say 20 lineups, I'd probably have at least 15 Anderson, um, if not even a little bit more. And then the ones I don't have Anderson in, I'll be using Jan. Uh, it is going to be an all in GPP fight for me, but for cash, it's probably going to be either fade the fight or just Anderson solo for me. In the co-main event of the evening, you got an interesting matchup between Diego Nightmare Sanchez and Mitchell Pereira. And a lot of people are saying that if it's a first-round finish, it's going to go to Mitchell Pereira. But if the fight's extended, that Diego Sanchez is going to come out the winner. What's your take on it? Yeah, that's how I feel. I think um, it's knockout or bust for Pereira, but he is my preferred play. I think the knockout probably will happen. I just don't see Sanchez being able to put up with that kind of power at this point in his career. Um, so Pereira is my preferred play here. However, like you said, man, if he doesn't get that knockout, I think the longer this fight plays out, the more in favor it's going to be for Sanchez. So I kind of like him as an underdog as well, because there's not a lot of underdogs I like on this card and his path to victory is going to be through his wrestling and grinding. So I think if he wins, he's going to pay off that $7,700 price tag. So this is one of my favorite fights on the card to just target in general. I'm going to have one or the other in most of my lineups, but Pereira is my preferred play, and I think he probably gets first-round knockout. Now, also on the main card, you got a matchup between Mara Romero Barella taking on Montana De La Rosa. Now, interestingly enough, Montana De La Rosa is going to be fighting uh, later on in the night. Her husband is actually opening up the card. Now, this is grappler versus grappler. Um, you think that Montana De La Rosa is going to have that same grappling advantage that she normally has in a lot of her fights? I, I think she does have the grappling edge, which is why I think she's the favorite here. But I think Barella is the better striker here. And with with De La Rosa being $1,200 more than Barella, it kind of makes Barella my preferred play. 
because uh, I do think this will be a pretty close fight, and I would rather just save that $1,200, use Barella as my pick. Uh, my only my only uh, concern here is I just don't think she has much of a ceiling. If she wins, it could be like a 50-60 point win, uh, where De La Rosa, I think, with the grappling edge she would have, she could score highly if she's able to win and get off a submission in this fight. Um, I just don't see me getting to too much De La Rosa. I'd rather the other people around her price range. So for me, it's mostly going to be dog or pass on this one, and I'll be hoping that Barella pulls it out. Now, the feature bout between Brock Weaver and Kazula Vargas. A lot of people have been talking about this kid, Brock Weaver. Very exciting to watch. Uh, you think he's going to come out here and have a successful UFC debut against the tough Mexican? Yeah, I do. Um, going into the card, when I started looking at Brock uh, and then seeing his betting line, I was looking for a reason to like Vargas here just because I wasn't really too impressed with Brock. Uh, but then after going over Vargas, I was like, okay, now I see why the line the way it is, is the way it is. Brock should win this fight as long as he doesn't get get hit with something big. I think it's KO or bust for Vargas. I don't see how he wins a decision. I think Weaver can win with his boxing or his grappling. I just don't love his $9,200 price tag, so I'm not going to have much of this fight at all. Uh, but I would say Brock is my preferred play because if he goes the grappling route, he could score highly. I just don't see him paying off the $9,200 if he's going to use his boxing to win this fight. And last but not least, you got a flyweight matchup between Ray Borg and Rogerio Bontorin. And uh, Kyle, I have a feeling that this is going to be a serious scramble fest. It's going to be one of the most exciting fights of the night. It was originally a pick but now some action started to come in on Ray Borg. And DraftKings also has Ray Borg as a slight favorite. Uh, where do you stand on this flyweight matchup? Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely a fight I like a good amount because they're right there in the mid-range of the salaries. So I think the winner has a decent shot of being on the optimal lineup just because they don't need 100-plus to be on there. They could get 85, 90 points and possibly make it with their salaries. So I just like this fight in general. Uh, I'm going to lean with Bontorin as my pick, though, because he is the underdog. He's one of my favorite underdog picks on the card, I would say. Um, so I would rather just save the $400. I think he can win this fight on the feet. I think he can have some success on the ground as well. But it's hard to fade Borg because if Borg's going to win, he's going to win through his grappling. And when he does that, he usually scores pretty well. So I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to have this fight in half or more of my lineups um, with a slight edge to Bontorin, maybe um, 60, not, not 60, probably like 50%, 40, 50% Bontorin, and then maybe... 25-30% Borg is what I'm kind of thinking, but I haven't built all my lineup, so that's just kind of pre-lineup thought, but this is one of the top, I'd say, three fights on the card to target. Well, Kyle, that's why you are the DraftKings guy for half the battle. It's going down this Saturday in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. They can follow you at Big Marley 3. Your bets and your write-ups are available at bestfightpicks.com. Yes, sir. Just sent those in to you a little bit ago, uh, so we're ready to go. Write-up is, I think, about 18,000 words this week. It's only $7.99, so go check that out. I think you guys will like it. And then uh, I got one bet I like a good amount this weekend. So hopefully it's a good week, and you, me, and all the listeners have some success. And speaking of which, man, uh, we got we to gotta give a quick little plug for MMA Radio, Monday through Friday. Kyle, myself, Brett Apley, and Sun Tzu, some of the most respected DraftKings players in the industry, we're doing a, a daily a daily radio service on Patreon. It's only $1 for the month of February. If you want daily podcasts from us, and it's not just us giving our picks, it's really entertaining stuff. Uh, the first episode is up free. Just go to patreon.com slash MMA radio. 
Yeah, but I've had a blast doing it so far. Um, look forward to doing the next one. And yeah, I like what we're doing over there. I like that we got a lot of people on board already. We have a bunch of people in our Discord. Um, so it's doing a lot better than I thought right off the bat, and I'm enjoying it quite a bit. So I think you guys will like it. Get in there while it's a dollar. Test it out while it's super cheap, and I think you guys will stick with it. Yes, sir. Patreon.com slash MMA radio. Kyle Marley's bets are available at bestfightpicks.com. The write-ups too. Kyle Marley, best of luck this weekend. We will speak soon. All right, man. Good luck. Take care. Shaq, uh, now we got to answer these fan questions. So Voice of Reality says, have you heard anything about Pereira learning a lesson from his last fight, Shaq? Um, I haven't heard anything, but I'm just, I mean, I'm sure he was embarrassed and he didn't get 50 K. I'm sure he's very, was very sad about it. And, you know, I'm sure he's hungry. Yeah. I mean, all I know is I've seen pictures of him training with the, with the fucking oxygen mask on and the guy seems like he's in serious shape. So I'm hoping that he learned from his mistake. Well, we'll know in the walkout, right? Dane Downey Jr. Says, what do you think would happen if Khabib pulled out because of injury? Um, don't say that. <laughs> um, Hopefully I, he shows up and we don't got to worry about that. Probably throw Gaethje in there for the for the interim belt. Yeah, something like that. Manny says, "What's exciting for Dominic Reyes if he uh, can't get an immediate rematch with Jones?" Um, Reyes could always. I know some fans want want revenge or the Ozdemir fight, but guys, trust me, eh, he knock out Ozdemir this time. But <laughs> I think that uh, if he doesn't get the John fight, he should fight. You know, uh, the winner of Lionheart and uh, Glover Teixeira. You know, my boy Gamble fifteen says, assuming the winner of this main event gets a title shot, who between Anderson and Blakovich would give Jones a tougher challenge? Corey. I'm going Corey. Matthew Drucker says, is, Mar- is Mara Romero Barella Dequan Townsend's coke dealer? <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, hey, maybe. Yes. My girl, Mara, my, girl, my girl Mara was out there trapping, huh? My girl Mara touched the weight. <laughs> he also says, do you think Casey uh, Kenny will drop to flyweight? Depends on the result. Uh, no, I, I know he's done with flyweight. Oh, he's done? Okay. Kings MMA says, do you think we see Mitchell Pereira doing backflips on his way to the cage this Saturday? Yeah, yes, but I think they're going to be le- less, maybe like one or two this time instead of like 20, you know? AMG says, who is this week's Juan Adams? Um, Lando Venata. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I can see it. Fiasco says, why is Diego plus money? Sanchez? Yeah. Because he's a deranged, deranged man. Ian Dawson says, can you answer what the fuck Jim Miller is doing fighting again? I'm sure his ass retired already, yes or no. Don't don't sleep on Jimmy now. (laughs) He's on a win streak, man. He's on a win streak, man. Jimmy's got the most fights, right? Yeah. Or second most. Yeah, most fights, most submissions. Jimmy go back and forth. Uh, You know, yeah, man. Jim's a legend. A future Hall of Famer, right? Yes, sir. Brandon says, is Juan Adams going to go back to the regional scene or or join Big Titty over in PFL? Uh, Trust me, he ain't. PFL don't want one. I mean, what's he gonna do in PFL? <laughs> he's gonna he's come. Gonna to, get knocked out in PFL. He's gonna come to the NFC and fight our super heavyweights. Now, I've, I've actually, uh, I, from what I understand, I think one already got a deal, but he said it's with a league uh, that no one knows, so it's probably one of these upstart, you know, local leagues uh, looking for for a job or heavyweight. So <laughs> we wish Juan Adams the best of luck in his future endeavors. And, you know, uh, he had a great run in the UFC. I sh- it was great getting to fade him a few times and we'll move on. And I wish the kid the best of luck, uh, whether he wants to do media or, 
uh, eat Twinkies, whatever he wants to do. Yeah, look, I got nothing bad to say about the guy anymore because he's not fighting and he's not a big favorite. So, you know, it's all business. Uh, I wish him nothing but the best. Reusable Shoe says, first thoughts on this glorious violence between Nico Hybrid Price and Muslim Salikov. Someone will be sleeping. Someone, uh, someone getting knocked up. <laughs> <laughs> someone will be snoring on that canvas. Uh, Whether it's Muslim early or Nico late, I'm interested to see. He also says, who's the best weasel on this card? Um... Casey Kinney, I guess, because everyone thinks he lost his la- his last two fights. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Havenwood Jim says, "What's the highest level unranked matchup you can think of? Uh, is Hyoni Barcelos ranked? No. Him and uh, Cody Stamen. Like between two two unranked guys or one unranked guy? He says unranked matchup you can oh, think of. So I think he means two unranked guys. Then, um, what about um, the you know, honestly, on Contender Series, there was a fight between Sodik Yusuf and Mike Davis. That was like, and they were unranked at the time. That was a hell of a fight. Like, if he's means by like a future matchup, you know, I'd love to see a fight between two unranked guys. You got Montel Jackson versus, you know, uh, a Brett Johns. That's a high level unranked matchup right there. Uh, Definitely. Cap Kobe says, "How pissed off were you guys at the judging at UFC 247?" Uh, I mean, I didn't get affected by the judges, so. I mean, I felt bad for John and Martinez, oh, yeah. bro. Yeah, but from that, yeah, Martinez, uh, I mean, that was a complete robbery. Uh, Andrea Lee, I did not think she got robbed. I thought she edged it, but I thought it was close enough where, you know, Houston judges were uh, going to be it. But the one saying that, you know, Kraus or Latifi got robbed, I, 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 I think that's, you know, just not the case at all. Um I feel like they both lost two rounds, man. So, but uh, Jonathan Martinez is the only one, one that I can like legitimately say like he got fucked, like he got hosed badly. But the scoring was off. I mean, thirty twenty seven Murphy was a joke. Thirty twenty seven Ool was a jerk joke. Uh, Forty nine forty six Jones was a joke. Scoring the first round. What about scoring the first round for Trevin Giles? Um. Yeah, I mean, look, he did have the four minutes of back control, but what happened in that last 45 seconds, I mean, Trevin was pounding on Krause's head against the fence, and the ref had to tell Krause, Krause move. So, I mean, maybe uh, maybe that's what did it. But I thought Trevin won the last two rounds, man. man maybe I thought he – I mean, I was fairly confident afterwards. So, Ian Braden says, if you had to name one fighter currently outside the top 15 in his uh, weight class, who is going to be a future world champion? You could say Montel Jackson. He's outside the top 15 right now. Even Hyoni Barcelos, those are two guys that could potentially be champs. I don't think Hyoni's. He's too old. Um, But Montel, yeah. Montel Jackson. Derek Chong says, dominant finish either. um, Hold on. So he says, with a dominant finish either way, are Jan or Corey next for Jones or Reyes? Uh, Yeah, definitely. Corey, even if Blackovich somehow pulls off the uh, upset KO win, then you're going to see him, you know, fight Reyes or, yeah, I mean, man, it'll be kind of pointless to throw him in there against John. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean. Tom Holloway has a similar question. He says, do you think the winner of Anderson versus Blakovich has to win via stoppage to jump Reyes for the next shot? I just think it depends if Reyes has any injuries or not and what the, what, depending how dominant this win is. Yeah, I mean, I know there's, right now, there's a lot of fan reaction from the Jones Reyes fight but you know if Corey can come out here and do what he did again then everyone's going to be talking about him now so 
you know, uh, some of my recency bias. MMA Sanders says, who are the most suspect fighters regarding uh, substance abuse um, and the biggest decline since USADA stepped up? Chris Weidman. Um, Eric Silva, even though he's no longer with the company. Yeah, but Weidman's a great example. TJ Dillamo. He will be coming up when he comes back. Uh, Hennon Burrell. Um, there's a lot of them, man. Uh, Holly Holm. <laughs> Mirsad Bektic. Uh, Mirsad Bektic. Uh, you know. Um, you know, Holly Holm just recently got awarded for testing uh, clean 50 times. They gave her like a Hall of Fame jacket type thing. No comment. <laughs> man, that a- that anti-aging clinic's working wonders, huh? Jonathan Mar- uh, Ramirez says, who's the most untrustworthy fighter this weekend? Um, Lando Venata, maybe? Depends on what line. But uh, just in general, unreliable. I'm going Lando. Yeah, I guess I'd say Lando. Magic Man says, do you guys see the Miller-Holtzman fight going to a decision or not? Possibly. It just depends on how's Jim going to react to this elevation. Is he going to get a first-round finish? If not, what happens after that? How bad does he gas? I could see a TKO for Holtzman. I could see a sub for Miller, or I could see a three-round war. All right. Now, a couple YouTube questions. Charles Fogel says he had $360 on Reyes by decision. Did he get robbed? No, he didn't get robbed. Um, Now, your guy can't stop fighting in those championship rounds. Uh, And the second and third were kind of close. I kind of personally thought Reyes won the first three, but it it was a close-ass fight, man. Sonny says, how did you guys get in the fight game? How did you get in the fight game, Shaq? I got in it. (laughs) (laughs) First time I saw this sport, I fell in love with it, man. And uh, Same. You know, I've been hooked ever since. Rent-free MMA says, y'all think Devin Clark should ever be a minus 300 favorite over anyone? And he says, 2 chains Townsend for the upset. 2 chains Townsend. Uh, Shout out to my boy, 2 chains. My boy better lay off that fentanyl, man. But uh, <laughs> I think, uh, should he be minus? I mean, the thing is, the Quan's taking this fight up a weight class and at short notice. And he's fighting a gorilla who only loses to, you know, legit guys for the most part. So, yeah, I think he, I think it's about right, buddy. Stragley says, how would Izzy do against John Jones as of right now? As of right now, I think uh, John would probably win a decision. But, you know, let's see how Izzy does against Yoel. He's about to have his Yoel test. Fighting Yoel can be hazardous, hazardous to one's health. And, uh... I know it wasn't easy, an easy fight for Paulo Costa by any means, so I want to see how Izzy does against him. Does he? Is it a close fight? Does he lose? Does he knock him out? You know, uh, let's see how he let's see how he does against Joel. Then we can uh, go from there because Joel will test that heart. Yeah, let, let's get past Joel and Costa first, and then we can make the talks. Then I can really assess how he would do. But I definitely think Izzy is extremely talented, and, and if he can get past these fights, that that'd be something I'd be intrigued by for sure. Rhett Rizzo says, Jan Blakovich has sort of become known for putting middleweights coming up in their place. What middleweights do you think would have a good chance of beating him if they came up? Israel Adesanya, Yoel Romero, Paulo Costa. I'd say those three. Uh, yeah. Because he beat Cannoneer. Uh, what middleweights would beat him if they came up to 205? Uh-huh. Probably those. Yeah. Um, and Massive says, who do you think are the best fighters to never win gold in the UFC? Yoel Romero. Like all time? Yeah, just uh, any yeah. era. Yoel Romero. Cowboy Cerrone. 
John Fitch at the time was really fucking good. John Fitch was number two in the world for a long ass time. Long, long time. Uh, Even back in the day, uh, Kenny Florin was really good at his time. Uh, George Masvidal. Uh, you got uh, man. You remember that time when Chael Sonnen was like ten seconds away from uh, from being a champ? Never yeah. touched gold, man. Uh, Dan Henderson. You know, uh, he never touched UFC gold. Um, who else? Joseph Benavides. Joseph Benavides. He finally gets his opportunity here. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good list. All right. Well, thank you to all our fans for all the questions. We really appreciate it. Now, Shaq, let's talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is your fight to watch for UFC on ESPN Plus 25? My fight to watch is going to be uh, Marab Devalish really versus Casey Kinney. Casey Kinney's got the number 14 ranking next to his name. I know Marab wants to take it. I know that Marab uh, is a ball of energy, and Casey Kinney is a consistent underdog in all his fights, and he keeps coming through so that's the fight i want to see does casey hold on to that ranking or does marab uh, come in here and finally and break into that top 15 yeah that's 100 percent one of the fights to watch for me for me my fight to watch is ray borg versus hogeria bontarin for ray borg he's got a lot to prove making the move back to flyweight he's been criticized for not making weight in the past this will be a big statement if he can go on those scales and hit 126 pounds go out there perform the next day and for Hogerio Bontorin makes his UFC debut against the then 11th ranked flyweight on planet earth gets the win gets a subsequent win against the very tough Holly and Piva if he can go out here and defeat the perennial top 15 Ray Borg that'll only elevate his career to that next level and prove that he is one of the emerging contenders in the flyweight division so for that reason Ray Borg versus Hogerio Bontorin is my fight to watch well Shaq who is your fighter to watch for UFC Rio Rancho uh, my fighter to watch is going to be Michelle Pereira. I feel like a couple months ago, everyone was high on this guy. He's a future champ, this and that. Then he takes one now, and everyone starts to write him off. I feel like he's going to be a lot hungrier coming into this spot. And I do think he'll calm down on some of his antics a little bit, at least uh, a tad bit. And I think that uh, went over Diego Sanchez, a knockout went over Diego Sanchez, throws his name right back and solidifies him as a, a entertainer for this sport. And He'll be on main cards for uh, for a time to come. Definitely. And for me, my fighter to watch is Nathaniel the Prospect Wood. Look, if you truly want to show that you're a contender in this division and you could be a future world champion, well, you got to go out there and beat a gatekeeper like John Dotson. This is the fight that's going to let us know exactly where Nathaniel Wood stands in this division. If he can come out here and get that signature win over John Dotson in New Mexico, it's only going to elevate him and propel him to big fights for in the division from here on out. So for that reason, uh, Nathaniel Wood is my fighter to watch this weekend. Shaq. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05 on Twitter, at Shaq BFP on Instagram. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks on Twitter. Our Instagram is Best Fight Picks Official. You can get our bets at bestfightpicks.com. Use the promo code 2020 for our VIP packages, or you can hit us up individually by using my promo code Dan for 10% off, or use Shaq's promo code Shaq for 10% off as well at bestfightpicks.com. Make sure you subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the places where we are available. We truly appreciate all your support and until the next time let's cash these bets